Unturned is presented by Update AI. I've had so many friends take time off to be a mother and they could not find a job after 50. And they were so demoralized, they left tech complete, completely. These were women who had big jobs at companies like VMware in the past. And I, it, it's heartbreaking for me that I wasn't able to help them find that company or that role that would give them a chance. And instead they were discouraged because they took time off to be a mother. So it's, there are many different audiences, but ideally it's a CEO. How do I better support women in tech? Welcome to Unturned, a show about the leaders and innovators of companies who have forged incredible customer relationships and stories you can use to advance your own career. Here's your host, Josh Schechter. Hey everybody, I'm Josh Schechter, founder and CEO of Update AI and host of Unturned. Joining me today, I'm really excited uh, to introduce to you Amelia Danzica, founder and managing director of Growth Molecules, and Sabina Pons, operating partner of Growth Molecules, both Amelia and Sabina are also the co-authors of Pressing On as a Tech Mom, How Tech Industry Mothers Set Goals, Define Boundaries, and Raise the Bar uh, for Success. And I'm for those that are watching there, I'm holding up the book. Uh, it is a wonderful read, uh, a quick read, but also just a really nice narrative-driven narrative um, uh, book. And um, I really enjoyed going through it the past couple of weeks. So um, again, Amelia, Sabina, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so as I like to say, we call the podcast Unchurned. Our core audience is customer success uh, professionals, and so it relates to churn. We want to unchurn, and we also want to keep this conversation unchurned, authentic, raw, genuine. And I want to start out with some quick questions for both of you guys to, to warm up. Uh, that bus, so to speak. So, um, Amelia, let's start with you, because I think you actually have a really interesting background in this sense. Where were you born um, and, and, and raised? Tell us a little bit about your childhood background, since the bulk of this conversation is going to be about family, um, the balance between family life and, and working life. Oh, right. Well, I worked really hard to get rid of my accent when I was young and immigrated to Canada from Italy. I'm one of six children. In my 20s, I moved back to Europe and worked in Copenhagen and Rome, and then I met an American. So now I live, fast forward 18 years, in Sonoma County, California. So you met your husband in Europe, is that, am I hearing that correctly? And, and uh, you moved with him back to the States? No, he was trying to find an apartment in San Francisco from Oklahoma, and I was in Rome trying to find an apartment. And so we met thinking about becoming roommates, but instead we got married. <laughs> that's going to be for the other podcast about relationships that we run. Uh, we'll take that one offline, but that, that sounds like a really interesting story. Uh, there's, there's, uh, mm -hmm. there's two parts to, to being a, a tech mom. The first part is, is being in tech, and the other part is being a mom. Uh, so tell us a little bit about those two parts for, for your life, uh, Amelia. I didn't plan on becoming a tech mom. I grew up in a pizzeria with my, my parents and all my siblings working behind the counters, picking the vegetables and fruit for the restaurant. But I took a road trip to California uh, after I graduated from the University of British Columbia and stumbled on the tech scene of 99 in San Francisco and just fell in love with Silicon Valley. And so I started my career here and 
customer success didn't exist. I was a project manager, got PMP certified, uh, then just really fell into customer success and never looked back, got my MBA. And here I am now, three children later, uh, running a customer success consulting firm. Quick plug to your children. So names, ages, you know, give us a quick background of your motherhood. Yeah. So when I married my partner, he had an 11 year old son. So I instantly became a mom without marriage. Uh, and, and Tyler really taught me patience and uh, what motherhood meant. And then we quickly had a daughter who's now almost 17, terrifying to think about. Uh, Tyler's now 29. And then L, our youngest is 11, going on 21. That's great. So you've got nice uh, balanced age gaps there too. Um, Sabina, mm -hmm. tell us about your, your background. Where were you born, raised, and, and a little bit about your, your childhood familial life? Absolutely. I was born and raised in Southern California to a, uh, I call it lower middle class family and had a mom who was raised by two immigrant parents. So one from uh, Sicily and one from Germany. And my mom really believed in the values of the American dream. She saw her parents achieve it. And I think that being the baby boomer that she is, had this philosophy that if you work hard, you could do anything. You could be anything. And as a product of uh, graduating in 2004 from university, getting out to the workforce, it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. I worked hard. I was well-rounded. I did the things. I had the internships. And it was a struggle. It was hard for people to find jobs and we made it happen. But then not long after the Great Recession hit. So uh, I think this concept of hard work and upholding your values is important, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have that automatic success. So um, that was really interesting. I'm the oldest of four siblings, uh, have uh, two younger sisters and a brother, and then ultimately got into tech by virtue of having somebody give me a chance. I had to reinvent myself after working in public relations, um, event planning, and then in advertising. And I was working on a national account that was a residential home builder. And as we all know, 2008, everything crashed. So I took my same customer experience skills. I was a regional strategic director for the West Coast at that advertising agency and Omnicom firm and applied for a job at a tech company Someone thankfully saw something in me, gave me the opportunity, and then from there I worked my way up. And I'm not only grateful for the career that's in, uh, followed, but I'm passionate about it. Not just because I can pay my bills, but more importantly, I genuinely love the community of customer success. I love the community of being a mom in technology, and I'm really excited to get to be here with you two today. And, and you were leading CS teams and, and, and then joined Amelia on the growth molecule side. Uh, tell us about your kids. Absolutely. My son is eight years old in third grade. His name is Sawyer. And my daughter is named Savannah. She is five and is in kindergarten. So that means it's one drop off in the morning. So for all you parents out there listening, that's a big milestone. It's a fabulous thing to have one location in the morning to make sure both kids show up on time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love your kids' names, by the way. They're, they're uh, you know, um, they're, they're not kind of as uh, probably common, right? Uh, first thing that, that, that comes to my mind is, is Sawyer named it all after Tom Sawyer? Probably not, but I figured I might as well ask. There's another good story behind that if you'd like to hear it quickly. Sure, let's go for I it. I love the TV show Lost. Yeah, TV show Lost, have to be honest. I'd like to say it was sophisticated as Tom Sawyer, but 
no, there was a character on Lost that I may or may not have found pretty attractive, and I just really liked the name. <laughs> okay. Um, for, <laughs> Amelia, I want to go back to you for, for a second here. Um, what's a favorite activity or pastime that you have or have had with your kids? Well, I live in Sonoma County, so we're surrounded by mountains and hiking and nature. So I, I have to say just being outdoors and exploring new areas of the county is definitely one of our favorites, especially during COVID. We had left San Francisco right before. I feel it was a savior for very active people who are suddenly being forced to stay in a house together. Uh, it was, it's just been really nice to explore the county and have those special conversations that we may not have otherwise because technology pretty much consumes my, my children's life, uh, like probably all of ours as well. So I think just being outdoors is, is our, definitely our favorite, whether it's on bike or walking, that's, that's our favorite. I mean, you both are so blessed where, where you live, right? Uh, Amelia, Northern California, Sabina in Southern California. And you're right, during COVID, getting outdoors, getting fresh air was, was such an important thing. Sabina, how about yourself? What's something you really enjoy doing with your kids? Taekwondo. We all practice together and uh, it's just, it's really fun to punch and kick stuff and see their achievements along the way. And with that, the built system, there's clear goals to set. There's a clear path to get there. That goes back into my DNA and upbringing. You work hard, you achieve the thing. And so um, it satisfies that innate drive that, that seemingly persists in my family of goal setting. And um, just, it's really fun. I really enjoy it. That sounds fun. So pressing on as a tech mm -hmm. mom, you, you wrote this book, you published it this past year. Uh, I read the book. I don't know if I'm your ICP. Maybe, maybe a, a single white male in his late thirties is that, am I? Okay. Well, then let's, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, Sabina, what is this book all about? Ultimately, the purpose of the book was to recognize that there are a lot of us going through this struggle of being a mom and working in technology where it's not necessarily favorable. And, um, or for those of us who are, who are juggling career and household, and we wanted to encourage women to know that they're not alone that you can get into technology, you can stay in technology and thrive, and you can still be the things that you wanna be in your personal life, all the other dimensions, who makes you you. Was there a specific catalyst or trigger for, for writing this book that really kind of got you guys going on this journey? I had the pleasure of meeting Amelia about five years ago and recognized that she was also a strong female leader in customer success. And then I learned she had three children and I was even more blown away because I had this idea that you couldn't do both. And that the women, like at the time I was looking up to uh, Marissa Mayer from Yahoo and knew she had live-in nurses and night nannies. And I just wasn't at that spot where I could have financially afford that. And most people can't. I didn't understand how it could be done. And asked Amelia, she'd mentor me both in my career and also to help me understand how to navigate both when to put pedal to the metal and focus on the career uh, within the course of a day and then be able to pivot and give yourself the grace to leave early to go to the school play. It was really impactful. And so in our conversations, talking about that and all the other stories of women that we knew, we realized there had to be a platform for us to bring that together. There's a lot of books about women in technology. There aren't other books about moms and technology. And truly the narrative does apply to more than just mothers. It applies to parents. And, it, and you talk about the ICP, right? Um, there's the allies that are interested in supporting us and don't know where to start. So 
I think for us, it was let's create a narrative that empowers women, their allies, maybe women who are getting out of college thinking about their career path and might feel overwhelmed because they hear these stories, they read the stats, right? That only 37% of women represent fields in STEM industries. So it's overwhelming, but the idea is we talk about it, we create visibility that it will start to impact change. And that by the time our daughters are grown and in the workforce, this isn't even a conversation anymore. There's no need for a book. You mentioned Marissa Mayer. Uh, that's actually a name I haven't heard recently. That's, that's really cool to hear you to bring her up. She was, I think, what, like a top, uh, a first 20 employee or something at Google um, back during the, the dot-com kind of um, bubble and um, really smart, really talented, really successful. And she had this opportunity to become CEO of Yahoo when Yahoo was still had, had a little bit more influence and footprint. Uh, and it was a huge role and she wasn't that old. I mean, this is a, this was a woman, I think she was in her, her lower to mid thirties. Um, she had excelled and, and she was given this opportunity to be the CEO of a major, major at the time tech company. Um, but I do recall hearing about how, you know, she had night nannies, night nurses. She was working through all the way through like, what is it like the last day of her pregnancy or whatever? Like maybe she even gave birth in the, in her office. I don't know, but like she was constantly devoted to her work. Um, is the story of Marissa Mayer and, and, and how she was, was kind of playing really that dual role. Is that a, is that a story that we want to aspire? Is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Right? Like, is this a story of, of how, um, women are being given this opportunity and, 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 it, and they can demonstrate that mothers really can excel, um, in even the highest levels and the most, the most, uh, taxing levels of business, or is actually a story of, of here's somebody who was forced to, you know, to not be able to spend as much focused time on their children and on, on, on their first, you know, because um, she was a first time mother, right? So like, what do you take away from the Marissa Meyer Yahoo motherhood story? First of all, I believe that we're really fortunate that no one has forced us to do anything that we don't want to do. Know that there's a lot of human trafficking and all kinds of other horrible things that are out there. So I don't want to make a blanket statement that that's not something that happens in the U.S., but um, it happens here and around the world. What I will say is those of us who are fortunate enough to choose the career path that we desire, that fulfills us, that pays our bills, as I said earlier, is one where there isn't a right or wrong answer, right? If that's what she truly wanted and that's the way she made it work for her, then so be it. I had this pressure I put on myself. I had to breastfeed for a year. I had to make homemade organic baby food myself. I couldn't do store-bought. I had this idea I was going to do cloth diapers because the, the bleaches and chemicals even in the biodegradable ones were harmful for the baby and bad for the planet because it still took 20 years in the landfill to, to fully disintegrate, um, decompose. I realized that some days I have it together. I never did the cloth diapers. I realized that was a, a new mom uh, idea that for my personal choices wasn't going to work. And there's no judgment one way or the other. And I was my, whole, my own worst critic. I think that if I wanted to have the kick-ass career climb that corporate ladder faster and sooner and got to a spot where I could afford those additional resources, then so be it. Like even now, some of my friends and family say, okay, well, you move to consulting to have more time with your family. And I'm probably working harder and longer than I ever have. It's cliche. It doesn't feel like it's work because I love it. And I also now have the flexibility to go when I want to go and do what I want to do that I didn't have before. So I took my career by the reins and I said, you know what? I was aspiring to have this C-suite position at the company I was at. I was the only VP 
a female in the company who had a family, had children. I was the second only VP in the company that was a female and ultimately decided, you know what, this, this isn't, I'm being held back here and I don't like that. And there's something else I could do that's just as fulfilling. Transparently makes me more money and fulfills my bucket. So to answer your question more succinctly, there's not a wrong or right answer here. It's whatever works for the woman, their family, her finances, her needs, and also her personal fulfillment. I, I think what you're saying is, Josh, there's no, like, don't typecast, right? There's no, there should be no preconceived notions of, right. of, of motherhood working in tech, right? Um, and and right. it's it's right. up to each individual woman uh, to 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 forge their own path of what they want, whether that's you know which, whichever way that balance of that goes. At my last role, actually, Boston Consulting Group, which is um, you know a, a major international consulting organization, very very demanding. And there were two women in their thirties that um, that didn't have a partner, and they said, you know what, heck, like BCG gives us like the best in the world. Um, insurance for covering all this stuff. We are going to go ahead and, and and have the procedures done, and we are going to we are going to be mothers, single mothers, as partners in one of the most demanding consulting companies in the world. And they made it happen. And, and kudos to, to to BCG actually for facilitating an environment where that where they could do that without being passed up on on promotions and those sorts of things. But I, I get your point. It's just forge ahead and do what works for you, Amelia. Uh, you I, I can't tell whether that was in jest or not. You said I am your ICP. So. Were you joking? Like, yeah. is is somebody is somebody is a is a is a is a white single male who may not you know be typecast into being the most empathetic figure uh, uh, for for motherhood? Is that actually who you were writing to to in this book? Yes. So ICP for not everyone knows our jargon that we're just yeah, assuming please. everyone's in CS or marketing. So an ideal customer profile for this book is a CEO, whether you have children or not, if you, especially if you're a male, you may not have experienced what women have experienced as a mother. And for women who are thinking about having children, women who are in, in tech and either having a difficult time or thinking about leaving, and then women who may have chosen not to have children or are long past having children and now their kids are out of the house. As you change in your life, like just even me, all my children are now 10 plus, Sabina's are under 10. We're going through very different motherhood journeys. And that's who this book is for, just educating humankind about what mothers are going through in different stages. We interviewed 12 mothers that we feature all in different walks of life with different backgrounds, different partners or or single mothers and different cultures and and really show how you can be over 50 and enter tech. I've had so many friends take time off to be a mother and they could not find a job after 50 and they were so demoralized they left tech complete, completely. These were women who had big jobs at companies like VMware in the past. And I it, it's heartbreaking for me that I wasn't able to help them find that company or that role that would give them a chance and instead they were discouraged because they took time off to be a mother so it's there are many different audiences but ideally it's a ceo how do i better support women in tech someone thinking about becoming a mother and then someone who is in the thick of in the trenches really because some days you do feel like you're at war when you're just completely overwhelmed with what's happening 
behind the scenes with your children and then uh, at work at the same time. So this book is uplifting. It doesn't bash anyone. We, we surveyed over 300 women and share the results. And then we give our own perspective and we include a chapter on uh, suffering that lack of the, or that imposter syndrome. How do you address it? Even this weekend, I was with one of my girlfriends. I'm nearing 50. She's over 50. And she said, Amelia, wow, I'm, I have this big job at Facebook and I still have imposter syndrome. So this isn't something that goes away. And our book, I hope, enables and gives people ideas on how to continue thriving when it's challenging in tech as a mother. Is the drag of taking notes after back-to-back -back customer meetings slowing you down? Or even worse, did you miss something your customer asked for three meetings ago? Update AI, the latest investment from Zoom Ventures, is here to help. Featuring the world's most advanced artificial intelligence to detect action items, Update AI joins your Zoom meetings and in real time delivers your follow-ups and next steps from customer calls. Save hours of busy work, stay more present in your conversations, and make sure your team is always on track. Sign up for your trial of Update AI today at www.update.ai. Hey guys, it's Josh. If you're like me, you buy the doggy poop bags on Amazon.com that have the most ratings and reviews. So please, give our podcast a rating or review. It'll help others discover us. Go ahead right now. I'll be here when you get back. Uh, Amelia, if there's something I know about you, it's that you thrive with numbers. You love numbers, right? You're the consummate business leader <laughs> in that sense. Uh, that's a compliment. Uh, what are the, and you mentioned interviewing and surveying uh, 300 working mothers. What do the numbers tell us? What, what did you guys learn in, in your research for, for this book? So we, we did a whole chapter on COVID and, and unfortunately we saw that over a million women left technology. Uh, during that time, it was just completely overwhelming trying to get your child on Zoom, uh, to be on Zoom countless hours, and then have any time for yourself. It was just completely overwhelming, and they left tech, often because women make a lot less money than men. So if you have to choose, which one do you choose? Who gets impacted? It's the nannies, the house cleaners, all the women who are dependent on that income that suddenly you're out of a job because the mother is now taking uh, a back seat. The, the other interesting thing that I learned when, I, when we were researching for this book is, why do women get left behind? And even worse, if you're a woman of color, it's because early on in a woman's career, even if we both went to Harvard, me and a man, the man is more likely, st statistic over statistic shows, to be offered that challenging project that then shows them as the hero at the company and they quickly climb the ladder that much faster. So that by the time they're 30, a woman is being left behind, then she might take a year off to go take care of a child and then she's even, even further behind. So this is a systemic issue that we have in our society. And looking at the stats, that were published yesterday by Forbes, Sabina shared it on, on her Twitter channel, 8%, 8.8% of the Forbes 500 are, are women CEOs. So we still have a long ways to go. Why are women, why are there 91% of the Fortune 500 led by men? And I believe it starts at 22, fresh out of university or 23, if you go get a 
MBA or go to law school, whatever it is you do, that's when women are instantly held back by not giving them those challenging projects. When they may not have kids yet, they may not be married yet, they have the exact same degrees as men, but they're being held back. And so that's what we really wanna change and numbers prove it over and over again. You have to start early in a woman's career enabling them so that they're constantly climbing that ladder at the same rate that men are. I'd even add one thing too, and talk about university, right? College uh, degree choices and selections. And what we saw was that after the eighties, there was an increase in women getting into STEM fields. So science, technology, engineering, and math. Some people now throw the A in there too for uh, arts to make it steam. Essentially that's now plateaued and in some regions has actually decreased again. So getting them those degrees so we can at least start off on the same footing at Harvard and otherwise is a really important thing too. Foundationally, this matters because everybody should have equal rights. There should be equal voting rights. There should be equal working rights, familial rights. Uh, that's just a human principle, right? That's why, that's why this all matters. Women should be and working mothers should be treated fairly. But outside of that, why is it important from a business perspective to promote working mothers in tech? How do working mothers make tech better? I, I'm sure Sabina and I can go right? on and uh, on about this. I would say that there are many studies out there that show that companies that have women at the leadership level and whether you choose to have children or not, I think even if you have a, an animal that you take care of, as far as I'm concerned, you're a parent. And so I would say we need to ensure that we are enabling people, regardless of their choice, regardless of their background, to have an opportunity at the shot at the top that will impact revenue numbers. And there are countless studies out there that show this. Piggybacking on that, some of the reasons when I've gone through uh, diversity and inclusion and equality programs before, it's there's, there's typically like three to five advantages that studies identify that when you have a diverse representation across not only um, psychographic and traditional demographics, but um, also in career experiences and career industries, right? Not just hiring people who have been CSMs before, but also hiring people who um, have potentially come from other industries who are trained as a CSM now, that there's better opportunities for creativity and problem solving. There's, um, you know, more innovative ideas that come from that. I'd say there's, I, I'd, I'd venture to say smarter decision-making because when there's non-diverse teams, there's about 87% of the time where there's, we know there's better results when there's diverse decision-making in a room and the studies have proven that as well. And then as a result, you see an increase in profits and productivity and then reduced rates of employee turnover. So when people feel more comfortable and satisfied in inclusive environments, they really are encouraged to stay. And so in this economic time now where there's all these phrases that have been coined, like the great reshuffle, the great resignation, uh, there's now the great reflection is the newest one I just heard, right? It's like, oh, did I really make the right choice here? And when you then have that coupled with sort of economic uncertainty, and then you have um, perhaps uh, challenges, right? They call them when you're an other, right? You're, you're LGBTQ+, you're a female, you're African-American, you're uh, not a parent, right? There's also discrimination against people who aren't parents, I've heard now too. It's like, well, there's people, everybody in the company now seems to be having babies and I'm not, so they would get to leave early for soccer practice for their kids, but I don't. 
right? So I don't know what draft that speaks to you, but there's there's all these people who are feeling marginalized and ways that we can encourage that to uh, be abolished is by making sure you have diversity, making sure you have conversations, uh, empowering other people, and also investing in your people in terms of education, right? Making sure that there's an avenue for essential skills so people have the confidence. We teach people in our academy how to overcome imposter syndrome, how to have the confidence and courage to speak to an executive and tell them no, and still maintain that relationship with that customer in a favorable way. So I think those are some key things that we could be doing um, to, to help make a difference there. So, so there is a, a, a bright light here, right? There is a silver lining and, and that's, there are, are plenty of women out there that, that are role models and have been successful in balancing their, their career and their family. Uh, the two of you are, are examples of that. Uh, Amelia, how do you manage being a busy, successful entrepreneur and motherhood? What are like the the, the tips and, and tricks of the trade? I, I know you mentioned to us earlier that, that your kids joke, call you a, a tiger bob. Like, what is it that, that has made you successful? What processes have you set up? The, the main things I've done are one, listen to my body. So yesterday I just was so mentally and physically exhausted. I went to bed by nine o'clock and didn't wake up until five and woke up refreshed and happy and excited about life again. <laughs> um, the other thing is making sure I'm constantly asking for help. So my partner doesn't know exactly like when I need extra help. So I'm constantly asking for help and I don't, I'm not apologetic about it. This just, this is the way things are. And then educating my children early on how to empty a dishwasher, how to, we have a, we have a farm of vegetables, how to go pick vegetables so that we can make dinner, how to chop vegetables, those kind of things that matter so that we can keep our family unified, but also have fun with it instead of me feeling like, oh my God, I have to do everything. So I think those have been really important for me. And then I tell my assistant this all the time. I tell her, Sarah, there's, 50 things in your inbox, I have 500, but do I look stressed out? No, because I know I'll eventually get to all of them, but I'm gonna do one at a time and do it well. So I think just keeping in mind that you can't accomplish everything at once, prioritize and be okay with at the end of the day, if you only got through 49 of the 500 tasks you feel like you need to do right now. So if, if I'm taking some, some, if I'm abstracting that into to go back to my last question of why 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 mothers uh, uh, you know help help um, move tech forward, well they're, they're great prioritization skills, great empowerment skills, delegation skills, time management right. skills, right? Those are all the things that you pick up from being in that role. Uh, it sounds like in your case particularly, Amelia Sabina, what's kind of been the the, the the tricks and tips of the trade for you? Two words: Google Calendar. Having a color-coded calendaring system with my family to keep track of all the activities, you know, there's soccer and there's swim and there's dance and there's music and all the things. With a husband who also works in technology, who's also driven and, and senior in his career, we have to be in, in lockstep. So every Sunday afternoon, we sit down with our calendars on our laptops and we just confirm, okay, you've got the kids here. I'm picking them up here. I've got work travel next week. You know, does the dog need to be boarded for this trip? Like all those types of things, it's really important. We also leverage um, Microsoft To Do. I don't think it matters what application it is, but we have shared lists for different things. So our, you know, it's just really cheesy and vulnerable. We have a Costco list, we've got a Trader Joe's list, right? Target, like, and we throw things on there and we can both see them. And that's one way to make sure that we're getting the things. And so the theme is planning, 
right? Making sure that you're taking that time. There's a quote that my old boss used to tell me, the six Ps, right? Um, Planning and preparation prevent piss poor performance. And taking that extra time up front really helps set up success for the week and so on. It's so funny because Amelia, like it sounds almost like you you apply some of those softer skills that can be applied to business of of empowerment and 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 not stressing, um, you know, and, and delegation and stuff like that. And then Savina, you apply some of the harder skills of of, of the workflow management tools and the, the weekly planning ceremonies and, and and those sorts of things. So I love it. Like that's a classic example of, of how those attributes. Uh, you know, merge together um, business. And uh, I know you guys have to run, but thank you so much for for being on the show. Uh, I encourage all of our listeners to read Pressing On as a Tech Mom. I love the title, by the way. And um, Amelia, Sabina, thank you so much for being on the episode. Thank you for having us. It was great. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Hey guys, it's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what? Even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn and it'll redirect my profile. Thanks.